The Bible Study Podcast, episode 224. Today, the Bible Study Podcast continues the study of freedom and talks about slavery. Welcome to the Bible Study Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Christensen. As we talk about freedom, there are some verses that I want to talk about in the Bible that talk about slavery. And these are probably the verses that have been most taken out of context and most misused of any verses I can think of in the Bible. If you go back in American history to the South before the Civil War, it was clear that part of the reason why slavery existed was people were able to justify to themselves that slavery was something that was acceptable. Slavery was something that was good and right, possibly even. And one of the things they did is they looked in the Bible and found verses, for instance, that tell slaves to be obedient to their masters and then don't say anything about freeing slaves. And so it would appear from just looking at the Bible briefly that the Bible is pro-slavery. So let's look at these verses and then think about what the context is of these and what they have to do with freedom. So the first verse that I would look at here is from Colossians 3. The end of Colossians 3 has instructions for Christian households, tells what wives should do, husbands, children, and fathers. And then in verse 22, it says, Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything, and do it not only when their eye is on you and to curry their favor, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Whatever you do, work at it with your whole heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. Anyone who does wrong will be repaid for their wrongs. There is no favoritism. And then we're going to look at two other verses. We're also going to look at Ephesians, and Ephesians has a similar sort of context about slavery and what slaves should do. And this comes from Ephesians 6, verses 5 and 6. Slaves, obey your earthly masters with respect and fear and with sincerity of heart, just as you would obey Christ. Obey them not only to win their favor when their eyes on you, but as slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from your heart. So what is going on here? Is the Bible pro-slavery? Now, that would seem a little odd because God certainly heard the cries of his people Israel when they were in Egypt and they were slaves and they were being oppressed clearly and told them that he had heard their cries and was going to deliver them and sent Moses to deliver them. And so when we look at that, we would say that God is not pro-slavery. And so what was going on here when the people said, look, here is the Bible telling slaves to be obedient? Because it does. Why does the Bible not tell slaves to throw off their shackles and grab their freedom and run away? I think some of us would certainly be more comfortable if it did. But it's interesting because when you look at the context of this, we're talking about a society where slavery was very common. In Rome, there were more slaves than there were freed people. Similarly, when Paul goes to Corinth, Corinth is a city that is built on this narrow isthmus of land where the Corinth Canal now is, where people could get their ships from one part of the Aegean Sea over to the Tyrrhenian Sea, and they would basically carry the goods across this narrow isthmus of land. 
now they've built a canal there. But at the time, there were more slaves than freed people because you needed a lot of slaves to do all this work. And so the church, as it comes into Corinth, runs into problems. If you look at the letters to Corinthians, it talks about those who have and those who don't have. And those who don't have in the church are likely slaves. And Christianity actually became more popular at first among those who were the lower classes. You can imagine that if you are someone who had all the power, then understanding a religion that says that you and this slave are brothers would be something that would be more challenging than if you were a slave that said you and your master are brothers. At first, certainly some people thought of Christianity as a religion for the lower classes. Now, there were exceptions to that, of course, but of course, the problem that we have when people were picking out these verses and saying, hey, see, look, God is pro-slavery, is they were ignoring the next, the very next verses. In Colossians, it's one chapter later, but it's the very next verse. Masters, provide your slaves with what is right and fair, because you know you also have a master in heaven. And Ephesians, if we take that also in context, Ephesians 6, slaves obey your earthly masters with respect and fear and with sincerity of heart, just as you would obey Christ. Obey them not only to win their favor when their eye is on you, but as slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from your heart. Serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not people, because you know that the Lord will reward each one for whatever good they do, whether they are slave or free. But then it goes on, and masters treat your slaves in the same way. Do not threaten them, since you know that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven, and there is no favoritism with him. There's no favoritism. We read that in that first verse of Colossians. What did that mean? That means that God loves slaves as much as he loves masters. And you can imagine that believing and understanding that made a difference in that society, and it certainly did, because the slave and the master might go to church, and the slave might be the bishop, and the master might be a member of the congregation. And the master might be subject in authority to him within the confines of the church. And that is something that happened. And so as they both understood that they were under a heavenly master, it changed the dynamic in the relationship between them. And in fact, slavery started to die out in the Roman Republic as Christianity spread. Because there was this understanding, certainly among believers, that how could I hold you in bondage? And of course, slavery, as we've said, was often in that time not a racial thing, but it was an act of war that had somebody who had been captured, or it was an act of economics. And so someone could buy themselves out of slavery much easier in those days than certainly in the American South. And there was less of a stigma, someone rising up from slavery, because you may not be able to tell someone who's a slave from someone who's not. It's not like they all looked the same. So Part of the understanding here is freedom is important. Freedom is something they want. But when we talk about freedom, again, remember that our understanding of what it means to be free, our understanding is that I get to do whatever I want, is not necessarily God's understanding of freedom. And so whether one is a slave or one is a master, one comes under the authority of God. And that your actions in both cases will be judged by God. So whatever situation I find myself in, I'm called to do my best in that situation as I understand the way that God wants me to live. Some other verses that have to do with slavery, Paul's teaching to Timothy, 
in Timothy 6. He says, All who are under the yoke of slavery should consider their masters worthy of full respect, so that God's name and our teaching may not be slandered. Those who have believing masters should not show them disrespect just because they are fellow believers. Instead, they should serve them even better because their masters are dear to them as fellow believers and are devoted to the welfare of their slaves. So, two things. One is it says that you might be tempted if you are a slave of someone who is a Christian to treat them poorly because you understand that you are equal. But it says, how? no, no, no. Because you are brothers, because you are fellow believers, one, they should be as devoted to you as you are to them. They should be devoted to the welfare of their slaves. And two, you should show them the respect they deserve. And also don't slander what we're about here. We're not trying to uproot the whole society. Remember, Paul is one of those people who tells people to pray for the leaders, even when the leaders are Nero, who will eventually execute him. Paul is saying, as Jesus did, that there is another kingdom besides this earthly kingdom. And what we do will be judged by the king of that kingdom. But there is one interesting place where Paul actually asks a master to set a slave free. And I'm not sure if you're familiar with this story, but it comes from the book of Philemon. And Philemon is one of the smallest books in the New Testament, and it was written to a master, and it was written about a slave. It starts with, To Philemon, our dear friend and fellow worker, grace and peace to you from God our Father and Lord Jesus Christ. As I skip over the greetings, I always thank my God as I remember you in my prayers, because I heard about your love for all his holy people and your faith in the Lord Jesus. I pray that your partnership with us in the faith may be effective in deepening your understanding of every good thing we share for the sake of Christ. Your love has given me great joy and encouragement because you, brother, have refreshed the hearts of the Lord's people. Therefore, Although in Christ I could be bold and order you to do what you ought to do, yet I prefer to appeal to you on the basis of love. It is none other than Paul, an old man and now a prisoner of Christ Jesus, that I appeal to you for my son Onesimus, who became my son while I was in chains. Formerly he was useless to you, but now he's become useful to both you and me. Now, Paul is talking about someone who is a runaway slave called Onesimus. And his name, Onesimus, means useful. And he has this play on words here. He says, he is now useful to me because Onesimus has run away and then has become a Christian, has become associated with Paul. And Paul is saying, you owe something to Philemon. I'm sending you back to your master, but I'm sending you with the letter that is asking him to free you and send you back to me. And that is this letter. That is this letter of Philemon. I'm sending you, I'm sending him, it says in verse 12, who is my very heart back to you. I would have liked to keep him with me so that he could take your place in helping me while I am in chains for the gospel. But I did not want to do anything without your consent so that any favor you do would not be seen as forced, but would be voluntary. Perhaps the reason he was separated from you for a little while was that you might have him back forever, no longer as a slave, but better than a slave, as a dear brother. He is very dear to me, but even dearer to you, both as a fellow man and as a brother in the Lord. 
So if you consider me a partner, welcome him as you would welcome me. If he has done you any wrong or owes you anything, charge it to me. I, Paul, am writing this with my own hand. I will pay it back, not to mention that you owe me your very self. I do wish, brother, that I might have some benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Confident of your obedience, I write to you, knowing that you will do even more than I ask. And our understanding from the early church history, one, they kept this letter, was that Philemon did as Paul asked. He accepted this runaway slave as brother, and he sent him back to Paul. And Onesimus later becomes one of the bishops in the area. Because the relationship that they had was changed by their relationship through Christ. It isn't the same thing. Now, we don't have slavery now, or at least not legally, but think of the relationships we have where there is power. Think of employment relationships. Think of places where we have power over someone else. The same rules apply, that if we understand that we are also under the authority of God, our relationships with others change. And there is within that a freedom that is different from the freedom of the world and a freedom that is truer than the freedom that the world offers. With that, we're going to end this episode of the Bible Study Podcast. If you have any questions, feel free to leave a comment on this episode at thebiblestudypodcast.com or send me an email to host at thebiblestudypodcast.com. We're going to end this study on freedom, I think, with one more talk next week. And then I think in August, I might very well take a month-long sabbatical. So if you want to follow me on Twitter, you can follow me at Chris2x. And as always, thanks so much for listening. Often we believe our questions mean we don't have faith, but I believe Jesus loves our questions. Our questions are windows into heaven. I'm Caden Fabrizio, and on the Questions with Caden podcast, we ask and answer one question per episode as relevantly and biblically as possible. Questions about fear, anxiety, depression, addiction, and so much more. Don't worry, your questions, they're not going to scare Jesus, so ask away. Listen and subscribe now at lifeaudio.com or wherever you listen to podcasts.